You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This show is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Before we get to our guest and the rest of this show, the subject matter we're going to be dialoguing about today, there's a few things I want to say in light of the new year. Praise God, we have arrived at 2015. Can you believe it? For all those pre-tribbers out there, so many people have anticipated the coming of the Lord before today. But not us post-tribbers, because we know the truth. Now, that's a little joke. That aside, I'll be launching the first round of discipleship next week. That's right. So I have started, or I had started to announce Hey guys, we're going to be doing this discipleship stuff back in, was it October? I think when we had the relaunch of this podcast and and I, I got more response than I ever thought I would. And so we have not one, but two groups starting. And guess what? We're starting next week. One group will be meeting Wednesday nights and the other group will be meeting on Friday afternoons. Now, you know who you are because you've already communicated with me, and I'll be sending each group an email. I've successfully created a packet we're going to be working through over the course of eight weeks, so that is exciting stuff, and I know more is going to come on that front. If this is something that sounds interesting to you, you're like, man, I wish I would have been able to be a part of that. Guess what? In another two months, I mean, this is an eight-week process, I'm going to be launching more discipleship groups. So get in touch with me, www.bridemovement.com. That's where you can uh, contact us, the ministry. Uh, get involved in one of these discipleship groups coming up. I have a list of people that are already 
on the board for participation in another round of discipleship. And if you are being called by God to be a part of that, get in touch with us. Don't delay. It's, I mean, it's literally, it's free. I'm not even charging for this. So, you know, take advantage while it's available. Um, I released a new book just a couple months ago called Kingdom of Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations. I, I can't uh, endorse this book enough because I am the author and I just happen to be a little biased. Folks, it is the composite of four years of research and study into the eschatology uh, and what the Bible discloses about what's coming, not just from a standpoint of what's coming from the kingdom of darkness but folks what is this unfolding agenda from the kingdom of god what is kingdom government what are sheep nations going to be how does that fit into a theologically sound premise in eschatology this is what this book will provide if uh, these are some concepts you've never even considered that's even more reason get the book it's literally less expensive than just about any book of its kind out there right now it's available as an ebook Everywhere ebooks are sold, including our website, www.bridemovement.com. Um, one other thing I'm about to say listen, folks, I was uh, really getting to some cool things before we put this podcast on hold and went in some other directions for the majority of this uh, past year, 2014. But here's the thing, folks. We are kingdom citizens and we have kingdom assignments. And there are those of you that are being called and equipped in the area of business, of politics, of media, of different areas and facets of life that are literally overflowing with ideas and blueprints from heaven. Things that God is calling you to do and to be a part of and to construct and to create. You know what? I believe that some of you that listen to the show are called as divine appointments and, and divine connections with Bride Ministries, with me personally. I don't know. You're listening to me. God is doing something awesome in the earth today. And, you know, if God is putting ideas, business ideas, I mean, p- political ideas, uh, uh, you know, media ideas on the inside of you. T- tell me about it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm sitting over here. I'm like, God, you know, there's so much going on and and, and time is short and there's so much that, that can be done. Where's my team? <laughs> Sometimes I'm asking God. And God is doing things, folks. God is doing some really cool things. But, you know, you may, you just may be part of my team. And I might be part of yours, but I'll never know unless you reach out to me and tell me what's on your heart. Um, try not to send me, like, a book because those emails are really hard for me to read personally. You know, get to the point um, so that I sit down, I read the whole thing. I get a lot of emails and I have a lot on my plate, but you know, I'm looking for more. I'm looking for how do I expand? What are the different ways that God is moving his kingdom out of the place that it's been in the earth and, and into something new, something glorious. And I'll tell you what, um, we never were meant to do anything alone. And so with that said, folks, get excited. I mean, God's, the kingdom of God is going to advance in the earth. And, you know, if you listen to this podcast and you've been excited about things that I talk about, like the kingdom, like the glory, like then touch, let me know you're out there. With that said, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Josh Peck. We're going to get into a subject I'm really excited about. It has to do with dimensions. He just released his book called Quantum Creation. We're going to be talking about it. 
I'm going to release a book soon called Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm. It's amazing how much similar ground we've covered, and we're going to be getting into that in the interview. Look forward to that. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. It's New Year's, so welcome all to 2015. This week, I'm pleased to have Josh Peck as my guest. Now, I had the opportunity to meet Josh and his lovely wife in person a couple of months ago at the Prophecy Forum in Dublin, Ohio. While we were there, we shared several meals together with other new friends, including Basil and Gons of Canary Cry Radio and Daniel and Sam of God's Property Radio, and Josh Peck is a Christian author and biblical researcher. He's the founder of Mini Study Ministry, whose goal is to provide personal and inexpensive study materials. He is also the weekly uh, internet radio host of the program called The Sharpening. You can check him out at www.ministudyministry.com. Now, this week, We're going to be focusing on one of his full-length books titled Quantum Creation. This is his newest book, and now I'm particularly excited about it because this conversation is going to relate to some of the research that I've done for a book that I'm planning to release sometime this year called Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm. And as I was going through Josh's book, I was just amazed at how much similar ground we've covered, and so... Josh, welcome to Discovering the Truth. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, having me on. It's a pleasure and an honor, and it's it's really good to talk with you again. Yeah, Josh, uh, we had a great time over there in Dublin. Um, it was certainly a, <laughs> a great conference to be at. I got to meet a lot of interesting people, including yourself. And, you know, God has brought you on a, very, a journey that, in a lot of ways, somewhat parallels mine. And... I want to give you a chance to talk about it so our uh, my audience can get to know you a little bit. I'm, I'm sure some of those in my audience already do know you, but uh, for those that don't, give us a brief background. I mean, your testimony, how God brought you to where you are. Sure. Um, <clears throat> no, it's kind of nice to be on the other end of that. I usually It's usually my uh, <laughs> first question I ask on my show, all my guests, but uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I was born and raised in a uh, Baptist church. It, 
it was kind of legalistic, but not not as bad as uh, as some Baptist churches can be. And uh, you know, I and I, I a lot of times when I do these these radio shows and I talk about my testimony, it, it, it might sound like I'm bashing the Baptists, and I'm not. I, I love the Baptists, and uh, you know, they're they're the ones that introduced me to Jesus in the first place. And there there's a lot of good. There's a, they do a lot of good. But um, I, I've always been, uh, even as a kid, I was always really just curious, just curious nature. And I had a lot of questions that um, were difficult for the pastor or my family to answer. A, a big one was about uh, extraterrestrial life. I, you know, I was always taught that it, it, it doesn't exist. You know, aliens aren't real and UFOs are either people just hallucinating or um, – or it's like demonic uh, projections or something like that. And uh, so, but my main question was, okay, if that's true, where is it in the Bible? And I never could get a straight answer on that. They, they, the answer that they always would give is, well, Josh, you just got to take it on faith. Hmm. And that really wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> now, faith is good, but without scriptural support, what, where would my faith be? You know, it would be in the pastor because he's the one telling me that. And I, I, I wanted my faith to be in Jesus, you know, and, um, and the Bible and stuff. So, uh, so I always had that question and, um, uh, a bit, a big part of, uh, my curiosity too came from something that I, I had experienced, uh, spiritual thing I had experienced all throughout my life called a uh, sleep paralysis uh, part of sleep paralysis, I, I believe a, a part of it can be medical, but what I was dealing with was definitely uh, spiritual. Um, there were basically what sleep paralysis is, is uh, you, you go to sleep for the night or you lay down to take a nap or something. It could be in the middle of the day. It's usually at night. Uh, all of a sudden you can't move and uh, sometimes you start seeing stuff or hearing stuff. And that that was the common thread through, throughout all of mine is uh, I would like uh, maybe 75% of the time I would hear stuff, usually laughing or taunting or, you know, things like that, uh, vo voices in the room, mm -hmm. or I would see demonic manifestations. Mm. And I had no idea. I mean, you know, as a young child, I, I, I had no idea what that was. I figured, you know, because I was raised uh, with some kind of uh, biblical backing, I, I figured it was probably demons. But beyond that, I really didn't have. I, I knew nothing about spiritual warfare or anything about what to do about it. And um, so when I would ask my mom and, you know, the pastor, you know, my family members, they'd say, well, it's just a bad dream. And uh, I, I think they figured it was demonic, too, but they just didn't want to scare me. But uh, sure. so I dealt, yeah, I, I dealt with that for a long time. And um, now let me ask you a question for sure. you. When did those experiences start? Were you like a toddler? Uh, I must have been. I, the, the earliest one that I can remember, I know it happened before this because it wasn't, when, when this when this happened, it wasn't like, oh, this is, I've never had this before. You know, I was used to it by then. But the first time I can really, re the, really remember it was around 12 years old. But I know that I've had it before then because I was already like kind of used to it. So as far back as I can remember, I'm not sure exactly exactly when it started. Uh, there's a lot 
uh, before the age of 12, for some reason, there's a lot I don't remember. <laughs> and uh, so pro it's probably a good thing. But uh, so, so it probably it's somewhere in some of those lost memories is, is probably an answer. But, but yeah, I, I don't know exactly uh, exactly when. Okay. But okay. Uh, so, so I dealt with that for you know all, all through my teen years and and um uh well actually at, at about the age of 12 around 12 or 13 i decided i didn't want to go to church anymore my my mom gave me the option because she she <laughs> she didn't really want to go either we 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 weren't we weren't denying god or falling away from god ne like necessarily it was just the whole church environment we were just kind of i you know we, we got I was only 12 and I got to the point and th this, this was wrong <laughs> um, mm -hmm. because it wasn't, it, it wasn't true, but I got to the point where I thought I knew everything that was in the Bible because uh, the sermon started to like repeat themselves, you know, unfortunately and, uh, when you're in an environment, when where, where the pastor or leader is not growing personally, that yeah. has a tendency to happen. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are kind of uh, disenchanted with the with, with the whole church system as a whole. Oh. Um, and it, it, it definitely happened to me, and it it wasn't wasn't good because it led me to some uh, some rather strange doctrines that aren't aren't biblical. And a lot of it was because of the sleep paralysis thing, because I, I I still had this problem, and I didn't have an answer for it and, and in my mind I, I i thought i knew everything that was in the bible uh or at least all the important stuff mm -hmm. and so i was i was thinking well there's not an answer there because i've never read about anything about sleep paralysis or or anything and uh so i i was kind of left to just figure it out on my own I, I when i was 18 i moved out of my parents house and uh I moved around. I, I moved around for a while and i ended up living with a friend of mine and his his girlfriend who uh, who was a, a Wiccan and really heavily into like new age theology and stuff. So I ended up telling her about the sleep paralysis thing. Cause I said, you know, you might hear me screaming in the middle of the night or something. And if so, it's, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> but, uh, so she, she asked me if I had ever heard of astral projection and I said, no, what's that? <laughs> so she, she, uh, gave me a book. It, it was, uh, like astral projection for beginners or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, if you can learn how to do this, maybe you can defend yourself against these things. And basically what astral projection is, it's the ability to leave your physical body. Uh, so through like meditation and stuff like that, mm -hmm. definitely not a Christian thing to do. So anybody that's even thinking about doing that, don't because it, it about ruined my life. Um, but you know, God, God does work all things together for good for those who, you know, love him and are called according to his purpose. And that, that's exactly what happened with me. I, I messed around with new age theology for a few years, trying to find answers to my questions. Uh, never found any. I just got more, more questions and a lot more demonic manifestations. And it just, it got so bad that I, I, I had to, I had to renounce all of it and I had to get, get back to the Bible and get back to God. And, um, so that, that finally happened, uh, and, and God kind of brought me into this whole, uh, I guess you could call it fringe Christian community <laughs> that we find ourselves in. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I started writing books and doing a show and, um, you know, that, that's, that kind of what, that's what leads me to where I am now. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I find it very interesting when I was young I, I, and I remember, I must have been. I must have been either two or three. And and usually you don't 
really remember things when you're very little unless there's a trauma associated with it. And that's what kind of sears it in your mind when you're that young. But I remember there was a, a point in time uh, when I saw my first manifested demon and or at least the first manifested demon that I can remember. And I, I was that young. I mean, and uh, I remember walking around my parents' bedroom pointing at the thing they couldn't see it and asking them what is that and it probably looked like the kid out of the sixth sense you know he sees the dead people no one can see what he's seeing but he sees it that that was uh that that was me and i went on a very similar journey where i saw various things growing up and i always knew that there was this spiritual realm full of demons and i also learned early on that jesus's name made him go away so that kind of set me on a course. It, it was always like I never questioned that Jesus had to be God because the name of Jesus Christ holds authority in the spirit realm. And I saw that. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I actually, what you said when you moved in with uh, this this guy's girlfriend, I, it sounds very familiar. I think uh, when I got to college, I had to t- have a sit down talk with my roommate and explain to him because by that time I had begun to get you know physically attacked at night where i'd be sleeping the demon it kind of like encroach upon me in the dream i'd know the attack was coming next thing i know it it basically jumped on my spirit man i'm wrestling with it and then i'd have to wake myself up and call on the name of jesus and then it would leave and but it would happen so often that you know i i kind of got used to it but when I got to college, I said, well, if I wake up screaming in the name of Jesus, get off of me, you know, at least I can give my roommate a warning. <laughs> this is, yeah. this happens to me, you know, and, and later on, as I got close to God and had recommitted my life to him and cleaned, cleaned up shop, so to speak, did self deliverance and all that, that's when everything fell off. But, uh, this was definitely part of my experience, man. And it, it, you know, when you have these kinds of experiences, it forces you to ask the question, what is out there beyond the veil? Yeah. What is the realm that contains these guys, why do they do what they do? How do they associate not only with me, but with various aspects of the world? And so, you know, one thing leads to another. Here you are, you've written this book called Quantum Creation. Now, you're not a mathematician, you're not a physicist. Uh, You've done some work with different conspiracy theories and eschatology. What, What got you to this book? Uh, really my wife, my, uh, you know, when I, when I first met her, you know, she's absolutely brilliant, much, much smarter than me. And, uh, <laughs> okay. she, uh, and I, I guess I kind of have to say that, but, but she, she really is. And she, um, when I first met her, uh, she would talk a lot about science and stuff, which, you know, I, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a nerd at heart. So I, I, I was really attracted to that. And we, you know, we'd have a lot of really good conversations and, you know, a lot of times like our date night would be like staying in and watching the discovery channel or something like that. <laughs> That's what mm. we liked to do. And, and we still, and we still do. And, uh, well, I, I, I was always fascinated by, um, aspects of, uh, quantum physics, but I always thought it was far too like impossible to understand or it was too complicated. And, uh, well, my wife had a similar interest too, but she seemed to be able to understand it or grasp a lot of the concepts. Um, from talking to her and just having our own conversations about things like time and all you know all that stuff, and uh, I, I started to I, I started to realize you know maybe this 
maybe quantum physics isn't as complicated as they kind of try to make it sound in a lot of these shows and books and things. Hmm. Uh, Cause here, here, you know, my wife's not a scientist either. You know, neither of us have any formal training in this stuff yet. Just from, uh, just from talking and, and just our, our hobbies, we were able to pick up on, on a lot of it. Uh, well, that, then I, I, I remembered, too, um, that there have been scientific discoveries made by people taking the Bible literally. Uh, well, the oceanographer, uh, Fontaine Murray, mm-hmm. I forget his first name, but he, he took, a, I think it's Psalm 8, 8, uh, literally, that talks about uh, the paths in the seas. And he actually discovered underwater currents. He was the... he. He uh, is sometimes credited as like the uh, the father of modern oceanography and st- you know stuff like that, just because he took the Bible literally, he made that great discovery. So I thought, well, you know, that's that's some science in the Bible. What about really out there stuff? You know, is quantum <laughs> physics in the Bible? Uh, is it like an all or none kind of thing, or is it just something? So mm-hmm. I. Uh, I started to look at the Bible from that perspective, and at the same time, you know, my wife and I were already interested in a lot of this scientific stuff anyway, so uh, I started to realize that, yeah, you know, quantum physics is all over in the Bible. You know, I I think the reason most don't, uh, might not pick up on it right away is because the terminology is different. That, that's a big one. But also, a lot of the church tends to uh, shy away from from a lot of science altogether, especially quantum physics, because of the interpretations that physicists will put on their discoveries. You know, they'll make a discovery and they'll say, "Well, see, this uh, this shows that if there is a god, it's just an impersonal force. He can't have a consciousness." And mm-hmm. you know, it, just ridiculous, really gnostic stuff. And um, so I, I started to realize that, and I started to look at it as, as separating the discovery from the interpretation. Once I realized that you can accept the discovery without needing to accept the interpretation, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is cool. There are biblical interpretations that fit much better than what, what these guys are saying. Mm. And so I started looking at it like, like that, and it got me really excited. And um, I, I was able to understand quantum physics even more because I was realizing there's nothing to be afraid of. It's not that the, – the big concepts, are, they're not that complicated to understand. If, if somebody like me can understand them, anybody can. Uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of people read my book, and I've, I've – to this day, I've not had one person uh, tell me that it was too complicated for him to understand. Everybody, young and old, have been able to wrap their heads around it. The, the problem is the world tries to make it more complicated so you'll accept their interpretations that, that are false. Hmm. Um, the only thing that I don't really get into much in the book is the actual mathematics behind everything because that is way outside of what, what I can understand. But the way that I kind of look at mathematics is, uh, you know, it's one of the only things that it is definite. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, one plus one is still two. So I, I, uh, as long as as long as we know how to how to separate the interpretations, we can trust in the math and stuff like that. Uh, as long as you know, if somebody's saying, "Well, this equation here says that God isn't real," or you know, some ridiculous anti-Christian thing, you know, we we can accept that the equation might be correct, but the interpretation doesn't have to be. 
Um, and that's a great that, that and that's a great perspective to have, Josh. It, it really is. And I think there's been a lot of damage done, you know, in this area when you t- we begin to talk about higher dimensions and all of that, because that's been a realm that's been basically left to science fiction writers. It's been left to metaphysicists, and I think metaphysics and the and the whole study of that, which is basically just an occult oh, uh, yeah. approach to life and understanding how things work has really grabbed onto some of these things. I mean, even in, in your book, you get into the usage of the Hinton cubes to d- do some of this uh, higher dimensional work and, 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 you know, getting into spiritual principles outside of the safety of Christ and what it means to be in Jesus Christ as someone who's been saved and bought by the blood of Jesus. And, um, Unfortunately, because of that, there, there's been a lot of fear in in this area. You bring it up, and suddenly it, it, it makes people uncomfortable. But really, the way you phrase it is true. Just because certain groups have figured out that this is out there, that there are higher dimensions, and that there are things that happen there, does not mean that the church must automatically shy away from it, turn the other cheek, and say, "Well, we, we'll have none of that. We live in the same world. We're part of the same creation." And the fact of the matter is we actually serve the God that created it. So welcome to the next phase in Christian understanding. Um, (laughs) You you know, and one of the things that I believe that's going to happen more and more as we move towards the end, Josh, is that God is going to marry the principles of the heavens to the events of the earth. I think the devil's been trying to do that for a long time. When you understand witchcraft and rituals that are being done and all that, you see that they are, I mean, continually engaging these other realms, at least from the information that I deal with all the time. Um, And I believe that God is trying to get people more heavenly minded and really get them more on, on, on the subject of, okay, what does it mean to serve a God? that is outside of time and space and who has resources that are not bound by time or space and who has all power and all might in his realm. And, um, you know, that, that, that brings us into this conversation. So let's backtrack and get something nailed down here. What is your actual understanding of higher dimensions? Well, that's a really, that's a really good place to start. And, uh, you know what? That was one of the first questions that I had, and, and, namely, what is the fourth dimension? Because I, that was something that I was always confused about. <clears throat> because uh, you know, I, Einstein showed that the fourth dimension is time, but then there are physicists, and you know, that they'll say that the fourth dimension is 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 a dimension of space. So which is it? <laughs> really, it, it all depends on uh, the terminology of the person who's speaking. So. Um, it, 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 it can be both. It's kind of uh, it's like a synonymous thing. There's there's a fourth dimension that's temporal, which is time. And then there's a fourth dimension that's spatial, which is uh, of space. Uh, the interesting thing, too, and I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, time, you know, Einstein was able to show that time is actually woven into the fabric of space. That's, you know, the whole space time thing. So really, time is. uh is uh woven into all um dimensions of space but i i mainly folk i i do get into a lot of uh stuff with time in in the book and time travel and things like that but uh a, a good foundation is to, to deal with the what the fourth dimension of space actually is um which is the next you know we it's the next higher from our own we we live in a, a reality of three spatial dimensions 
and and one of time, but you know we'll set aside the time thing for a second. So we have three dimensions of space, and basically what a dimension is is it's a um, if we remember back to high school geometry, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh, basically a line between two points. So if you have uh, one dimension, the first dimension, it's just the x-axis. Like if you have if you're plotting things out on a graph. Um, the second dimension is the y-axis. So uh, to create, you know, to have a new dimension, you have to have two perpendicular directions. Um, <clears throat> so you you know you lay the y-axis over the or over the x, and you have two perpendicular directions. And then the the third is the z-axis, which you know goes in the middle of the uh x and y creating two new perpendicular directions now that that's as far as we can perceive because any you know if you try to put any perpendicular directions on top of that you, you just have another point in three-dimensional space uh that's where time comes in because einstein and, and others like him were, were able to see time as uh two new perpendicular directions as you know past and uh future um, but he was also able to show too, like I, I said before, that time is actually woven into space itself. So it, it's it's uh, it, the, the whole time thing depends on the person's terminology that's speaking. But um, so how could we have a, a fourth spatial dimension if we you know we can't we can't perceive it, we can't even really imagine it. There have been a lot who have tried, and uh, the the best probably the best example i've ever heard of trying to wrap our heads around the fourth dimension is uh by by analogy of this uh uh this novel written uh by a abbott in in 18 something or other Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm blanking on the year but uh he, he wrote he wrote a book called uh flatland a romance of many dimensions and in this book he talks about uh this uh fictional um universe or world that consists of only two dimensions so it's just the x and y axis and the main character is named a square uh he's just a square (laughs) (laughs) and and uh so it kind of and and he later on has an interaction with the third dimension so um the square's whole perception of reality is just based on these two dimensions he he can't perceive up and down Mm -hmm. you know there's no z axis so how would we be able to uh, explain a third dimension to somebody who who only has a two-dimensional perspective? Like say say we uh, stuck our finger through Flatland, the Flatlander wouldn't see our finger. What they would see is they would see a a, a point appear right before them, and it would grow in size as our our finger uh, went through. And as we took our finger out, it would uh, it, it would shrink and then just disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in, uh, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, <laughs> okay. so um, you know, there and there are different ways to try to uh, to try to show um, a flatlander or a two dimensional being what a three dimensional object would look like. Like if you wanted to explain a cube to a flatlander you you could just set the cube right down on flatland but if you did that all they're going to see is a square right uh or you could unfold it and if you if you do that you know they have more information um they'll they'll have the six sides completely unfolded it would be in the shape of a cross 
which is actually kind of cool. But uh, you know, but they still wouldn't. They would have all the information of of it, but they wouldn't be able to have the the three dimensional perspective. Uh, it would still be a two dimensional object. So when thinking of that in terms of our dimension, how how would we be able to understand a fourth dimensional object? Uh, if a like let's say a hypersphere, which is a, a four-dimensional sphere, uh, a sphere with four spatial dimensions instead of three. If something, if a hypersphere were to breach our uh, our dimension, uh, our three dimensions of space, what would that look like to us? Well, we would we would see a we would see a a point in the middle of you know somewhere in, in space or you know right in front of us wherever it happens to breach. We would see a point appear out of nowhere, and uh, we would see a sphere kind of grow in size as it's passing through. Um, now the the hypersphere is actually moving, but to us it would probably just look stationary. I mean, it can move. It, it depends on how what its uh, activity is. But okay. uh, and then as it's leaving, it, it would it would shrink and then just disappear. Um, so a fourth dimensional object would uh, would have strange properties like that. It, it would it would morph and change color and do all these strange things. And isn't it interesting? Kind of a side note, and I'm sure we'll get into it a little later. But isn't it interesting that there are a lot of UFO reports that uh, report that type of behavior that these 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 seemingly solid craft are able to morph and do all these these things. I I, I believe those are are higher dimensional uh, objects. But uh, so mm -hmm. going back to um, Going back to the whole flatland analogy, uh, suppose suppose there is a, a hypercube and uh, a, a cube of four dimensions instead of three, and a, uh, a higher dimensional being wanted to explain that to us. Well, they could do the same thing that we would do with a normal cube for flatland. They could unfold it, except it would be it would be unfolding it into three dimensions so we would see a three it would look like a uh, it's called a tesseract it would look like a three-dimensional cross but with two two extra arms coming out of it um so there would be eight cubes all, all together now we would have all the information but we still can't wrap our minds around what that would look like in the fourth dimension because it we don't have that perspective uh even if uh, with the whole flatland thing, if even if we took a flatlander out of two dimensions and brought him into the third dimension, he would still have two-dimensional perspective. So mm -hmm. he would still see everything just in differently colored uh, uh, horizontal lines. <clears throat> and it, it's the same with us. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, like when uh, John had his whole revelation, he spent some time in heaven. He, when, when you read the descriptions, they're very strange, but it's still three-dimensional. He still has that three-dimensional perspective. Uh, yet right. things are, you know, I mean, G Jesus is a lamb with like seven eyes and, you know, seven <laughs> horns. You know, there's all this weird, just weird-looking stuff. And that, that now I think that's even higher than the fourth. I think that probably goes way up to the way up to the top, probably the 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 eleventh or twelfth. But uh, but anyway, uh, so, you know, that that's kind of what we see when when um, when a normal human is able to traverse dimensions, say, if God translates them or ta takes them out. Uh, well, actually, translation's a little different. Translation will be given, you know, when when we're okay. uh, raptured or given our new bodies or however you want to look at it, we'll we will have that higher dimensional perspective. So we'll be able to uh like for example, um, 
it, Flatland, if they have a, uh, if there's a square in front of them, they just see a line. You know, they would they don't know it's a square until they go all the way around it. Same with us. If we have like a building in front of us, we can't. We have to go to the back of it to know what the back looks like. Uh, when we have our higher dimensional perspective, uh, when we're given our new bodies, we'll be able to see all sides at once. Which yeah, that's, that's a very interesting thing. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that, so- that sounds like it would be muddled and confusing, but mm-hmm. that's just because we're thinking of it from our perspective. Uh, and coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, but interestingly enough, um, I believe that uh, demons actually have that that type of sight, at least. From a fourth dimensional, I I, I kind of speculate that when um when the fallen when, when the angels fell and you know Satan fell and everything they actually mm-hmm. fell to the fourth dimension, but I believe that they when they see things they they see like they can see the back and front of something at the same time, uh and that at, at some point in the future, uh in Revelation it talks you know woe to the inhabitants of the earth because. You know, basically, Satan's with you guys now. I think that's when they actually fall again to the third dimension. We're gonna, you know, we'll have to, the world's gonna have to deal with that. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. So that that's kind of what that, that's kind of a really brief. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I I put I I think I deal with like with it in like five chapters of the book or something like that of just the fourth spatial dimension. So that's kind of like a brief rundown of of uh kind of what it is and and how to kind of how to wrap our heads around it you know we're never going to be able to while we're here on earth we're we're not going to be able to really visualize it or get our heads around it but you know the principles of it the the ramifications and consequences of it we can at least uh we we can understand yeah and i i yeah i appreciate the work that you did to really flesh this out in your book i mean because you do take some time to go through and you go through the flatland example and you go through some of the shapes, uh, the hypercube and all of that, explaining the unfolding and how to unpackage it, you know. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, you're right. I mean, I read the book. This book was not written for mathematicians and physicists. It was written for people that just want an introduction to this subject. And I, I, I think that a lot of people are going to, into the future, as it continues to be read, uh, really appreciate that because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a great tool to get a stepping stone into this thing that can be otherwise kind of intimidating. And, um, and I remember as I was getting into this whole dimensions thing and, and what got me into the dimensions thing was trying to understand the kingdom and, uh, what, what, what the kingdom of God is and what it means and, um, how it interfaces with the rest of the spirit realm. And that when I, when I landed on the hypercube, I remember sitting down at my computer and watching videos on YouTube and, and anyone that's listening to this, you can go and find them where you get to watch someone who's worked with uh, computer graphics, mathematician or whatever, and programmed it to basically take the illustration from a point to a line, to a, to a square, to a cube, and then to a hypercube, then to a fifth dimensional cube and then back down. And you can just feel your brain swell with pain as it <laughs> transitions from the cube. And I want to encourage everybody that, and I might even put a link in the show description. Like if you want to watch a hypercube, you know, yeah. uh, illustration. So, so that as we're talking and as you heard Josh's explanation, you will have a reference to go back to and say, okay, I can see what he's talking about now because it, it, it's really a very difficult thing to explain without an illustration. Illustration helps so much. And I, Josh, I, I was watching this thing over and over again, like, I almost get it. And then I would, it would go back down and I would get to the cube and I'm like, ah, 
I feel so much better now, but <laughs> I, I know that there's more here. And, and uh, eventually it just like clicked and it's like, I understand higher spatial dimensions. I, I don't know how to explain that transition. It's just automatically like this point just came where my brain finally accepted there can be a fourth perpendicular plane. Like yeah. on, a, on, a, on a graph that you would put a cube on, for instance, you can have the x-axis, the y-axis, the z-axis, and a w-axis. And that yeah. w-axis is that fourth perpendicular line that takes you outside of the three-dimensional space. And, and it made sense. But, you know, Josh, this is where it gets really exciting. <laughs> uh, because you say, okay, so we have a higher dimensional space. And you already kind of touched on some of your beliefs and how this... Um, uh, influences or has an influence on the world that we experience. But I want to give you a little bit more time to talk about some of maybe maybe the other points that you, you've concluded. This is how f- a fourth dimensional um, field or a fourth dimensional plane can have an influence on the world we're experiencing. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is, you know, I, I remember watching those uh, science programs and they would always say things like, you know, well, the higher, you know, the the higher dimensions, they're right here. They're so close. They're they're closer to you than the clothes on your body. But they would never really explain that, and and that 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 was always really confusing to me. But once I thought about the whole flatland thing, how you know how they had flatlanders would have no uh, perception of the third spatial dimension whatsoever, um, yet look how close it is to them. <laughs> I mean, it's literally <laughs> right on top of them. It's, it's, it's the shortest amount of distance possible, which is called a, a, a plank length or, or plonk length. I think it's the technically correct way to pronounce it, but I always say plank cause it looks like plank. But anyway, uh, and I, I go into what the whole plank length thing is in, um, in, in, in the book, but it, it's, it's the shortest distance that's, that's possible. Any, anything, uh, anything smaller you 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 can't have it it would just it would get sucked up into a black hole basically uh but anyway so it's incredibly close um flatlanders just they don't realize it Uh, and i think it's the same it's the same for us uh the fourth spatial dimension uh looking at it from that perspective uh it's it's here it's it's so close to us and it, it is literally closer to us than the than the clothes on our body but we just we can't we can't perceive it mm-hmm. yet again how how easy would it be for a three-dimensional being to interact with a two-dimensional universe it's incredibly easy you just stick your hand in there well i i, th- <laughs> I think it's the same for uh <laughs> for uh fourth dimensional beings you know they uh now i i do think that they are limited um in in research for my my new book uh should be out in february called uh cherubim chariots mm-hmm. uh, i i believe that there is a, a type of split in, in the dimensions between the the third and fourth spatial at the garden of eden that's a whole other thing but okay. but uh so i i think that uh the 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 denizens of the fourth dimension, which which right now I believe are mainly demons and fallen angels and things, I think that they're limited. They they need um they need a a, a portal of some kind or or a rip to to get through. But they're all over the place. I mean, uh, in the occult, they, I mean they 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 open those all the time. Anytime somebody astral projects or remote views, you know, they're they're ripping a hole. Uh, they're even doing it at CERN, the the Large Hadron Collider. They're ripping holes through the through the the 
dimensions. So um, I, I don't think they really have too much of a hard time getting through. But when they when they do come through, we have to we have to think, you know, what would that look like? We we still have three dimensional perspective. Uh, same with uh, like what we would look like to a flatlander. That's why I think a lot of times demons look, you know. To me, anytime I've ever seen a demon, it's either something really solid and well-defined or it's something like a three-dimensional shadow. Mm-hmm. And, and mostly it's the shadow thing. And, you know, they're they're called uh, – the, the world kind of uh, calls them uh, uh, shadow people. You know, we, we recognize them as demons. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they seem kind of wispy or kind of – like like a three-dimensional shadow basically hmm. well that that's that's what a fourth dimensional being would look like to us just like uh if i were to hold uh like hold a cube right over flatland and, and it cast a shadow um on flatland they they would see the shadow and they would have no they would just see a, the shadow of a square they would know it's there but they would have no idea that it's actually caused by a, a higher dimensional object so when we see when we see these three-dimensional shadows i think that's kind of an example of what we're looking at uh so that's that's one way they interact but uh what one of the most interesting ones and uh i i, I deal with this in chapter five and and actually i i find this so interesting that uh, my my whole next next book is pretty much just on this one thing, okay. um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> cool. and, well and and a lot of other things. But ba- okay. basically, it's a common thread. It is is the whole UFO phenomenon, and and that these uh, a lot of these craft that people are reporting they 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 appear out of nowhere. They morph and and change shape, but they still look solid. They look like they're they're metallic or made of some made of something solid and then they just they disappear uh there have been reports of uh people that have seen ufos go into the water but without creating any kind of splash just kind of like they they dematerialize into into you know into a body of water or something Mm -hmm. and um uh, even the beings themselves, there have been a lot of abductees that have reported the, you know, the, the supposed aliens, which I believe are, are fallen angels and uh, uh, but and, and demons and things. They 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 can go through the walls. They can even take a person through uh, through the wall. Mm-hmm. And how I explain that is like, again, we just have to think back to Flatland. Uh, if if a, if a Flatlander is inside of his house or something how would we take the flatlander out oh well, we just take him out into the third dimension and put him outside of it you know to to the to the flatland world they they would to them it would look like depending how we do it it would either look like the flatlander disappeared for a second and then was outside of the house or it would look like he went through the wall um so we're seeing we're seeing the same types of things with with these supposed aliens and that that's uh what i go into the book that mm-hmm these things they can't just be physical there there's there's no way they they have they have to be higher dimensional to be Mm -hmm. able to do that stuff uh so that that's another big way that they interact and and in doing that they have gained a lot of uh influence over the world because anytime somebody has a conversation with these things they always preach this really gnostic new agey message that's totally 
uh, anti-biblical and anti-Christian. And they they will say, well, yeah, there's a God, but it's an impersonal force. And, you know, it's like something out of Star Wars. And, uh, <laughs> but they, they that's what they that, that's what they tell these people. And they always tell the abductees, well, you're somebody special. We 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 chose you to go and, uh, you know, give our message to the world. And, and so many people fall for that. They They take what these things have to say for truth they don't they don't test them or i mean imagine it if some person just a regular human came up to you and said something like that who who in their right mind would just believe that you know mm -hmm. I, hey uh you know I, I i just wanted you to know i uh chose you to preach my message i i'm your creator and uh, I need you to go out and go tell all your friends and alienate yourself from everybody that you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nobody, nobody in their right mind is going to believe that. But if it's if it's an extraterrestrial or, you know, what, what we would recognize as uh, extra dimensional being, uh, people seem to have no problem just just believing it. And, uh, you know, I think that's a big problem in the world is, uh, you know, we, we tend to kind of be naive because I, I think it's because even non-believers they know something's there you know in, in in their hearts they 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 might not want to admit it but they know something's there they're they're looking for something bigger and these demons and fallen angels are taking advantage of that uh so that that's the, those are probably the biggest ways that um that the the higher di uh dimensions uh, you know or at mm -hmm. least the, the denizens of the higher dimensions of, of the enemy uh interact with the world sure and that's one thing that it, it just has to hit the church eventually that the UFO abduction situation scenario, all of this is not going away. It's, yeah. it's, it's not going to go away because people put their head in the ground. And, it, you know, we were sitting on a panel, Josh, at the conference that we met at. Yeah. And this, this was one of the things that got me fired up is that because Christians are uncomfortable accepting the idea that, Things are happening that don't fit their presupposed parameters on what's allowed to happen. We just ignore it until it goes away. And and that is the absolute worst approach there can yeah, be because what that says is, well, you, since you Christians don't have any kind of explanation, you can't even try. You just ignore it. Maybe these guys really do have something worthwhile to say. I'll tell you what, you know, I did have a supernatural experience. And the thing about supernatural experiences, anytime we experience something that's beyond our ability – to explain in our present knowledge base, it has a huge impact. It, it will. Yeah. And, and they're, they, they, yeah, these things, which are obviously antichrist in their message, goals, and objectives, uh, are, are capitalizing on that. Um, you know, when, when you're talking about this and moving someone out of a three-dimensional place into a fourth dimension and putting them back in... Now, Josh, this has huge implications. And in my research, what, what I what I realized was that I was actually looking at, initially at higher dimensions and parallel dimensions as the same thing. I, I was like, I didn't make a distinction. I just kind of said, okay, well, we have other dimensions and then we have this dimension and that's where it ends. As a matter of fact, I, I uh, when I first was discovering the kingdom, I would describe the kingdom of God as the dimension where God is king because that made a lot of sense and as I began to understand it I said well actually it's a set of dimensions uh, better described as a realm but I came back and, and you know I'm, I'm looking at this whole distinction okay higher dimensions parallel dimensions there's actually a difference and yeah. what I 
began to stumble upon is that like okay let's say i have a square and i put a line in that square so i have a square which is two dimensions i have a line which is one dimension i can then go an inch over from that line draw a second line and i will have in essence created a parallel dimension in the two-dimensional frame i have two one-dimensional units so i have a parallel dimension a dimension that is one dimension parallel to my other one-dimensional unit, two lines. And it said if you can do two one-dimensional units in a square, you can do an infinite number of one-dimensional units in a square. Likewise, you can do two squares in a box. And if you can do two, you can do an infinite number because there's no thickness in two dimensions. There, you don't have that. You don't have height. And I said, so if there are a, there's a, there's a four-dimensional space, then you could potentially have an infinite number of three-dimensional universes in that four-dimensional space. Yes. And this leads into the question of parallel dimensions. And you actually get into this a little bit in your book. And I I really enjoyed the interview that you put in there with Dr. Mallet, who is actually working on uh, time travel in his own way and uh, his perspectives on parallel dimensions. And, And I just want to talk about this for a little bit because now this conversation is extremely fascinating. And a lot of people they don't they don't really know what to do with it because it, it it it's it opens up uncomfortable possibilities. If there is another universe out there parallel to our own, what would be in it, and what would it mean for us? Could there be multiple copies of the same person? Um, if they did, would there be different series of events that occurred? How does that fit in with our theology? Now, understanding that this is a, a lot of conjecture here. Uh, what are your ideas on the subject of parallel dimensions? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, and that, that was something I wrestled with, too, because I really had to figure out, okay, how, how does this fit within a Christian framework? I mean, you know, they, the, physicists and scientists, you know, they, they don't always have it right, but they, they, do, they do seem to pretty much agree that uh, in the existence of uh, parallel universes – and and even parallel versions of ourselves. So when I thought of, when I was really thinking about that, I'd think, well, what is it that that makes people and myself included when I first started looking into it uncomfortable with that idea? Uh, well, for one thing, how does it affect free will? That was a big one because are there parallel versions of myself that that are going to hell because they haven't accepted Christ? You know, that <laughs> sort of thing. That was a big one. And then the other one is is just basically well why are you know why aren't we told about that anywhere in the Bible, uh, and actually there there might and I, I deal with it in the last chapter of the book there there might be something where it does deal with that but that's a whole other thing, okay. uh, but anyway go, so going back to the the first thing the free will thing, you know when we're what I realized is when we're when we're talking about uh, parallel universes we're we're just talking about three spatial dimensions and we're just talking about biology this has nothing to do with the soul or spirit or anything like that if there are parallel versions of myself we don't share a soul you know um so it's not like a piece of my soul is going to go to heaven and a piece of it's going to go to hell you know it doesn't it wouldn't it wouldn't be like that it's just strictly biology um it's like if you have an identical twin, you know, that doesn't affect free will at all. Or or if somebody made a clone of you or something, you know, that doesn't affect, you know, your your uh, your ability to have your own free will. And it's the same with parallel universes. If there are and I, I'm not entirely sure if there are. Well, I, I, 
I'll, I'll say I believe that there are parallel universes. I just don't know if they're inhabited um, by other uh, biological three-dimensional entities. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, they could be completely empty, and it would still fit within the framework of, of physics just fine. Um, I, I, and I'm, by empty, I mean void of life. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's probably object, you know, three planets, and you know, whatever. But uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think that they necessarily have to be inhabited uh, to exist. But even if they are, the only thing it would mean for us, like let's say, you know, let's say there's a big news story, and they say, oh, physicists finally can prove that there are multiple universes and there are other versions of ourselves and we can even go and travel there and all this stuff you know what does that do to our theology well if we take it for what it is nothing really the only thing it would mean is that god's creation is far more uh, uh far bigger than we than we originally thought and, and you know, we should kind of expect that because how many times has that happened in the past? You know, we <laughs> think we, we as humans think we got a, got a pretty good handle on God's creation and time and time again, we're, we're always wrong and it's always bigger than we thought. So, um, if there are, uh, multiple universes, it wouldn't surprise me, even if they are I I inhabited by other versions of ourselves that have made different choices, it really wouldn't surprise me and it wouldn't do anything to, to my theology. And I, I, I would, uh, suggest that it should be the same for the whole church it really doesn't affect it um again all all it means is that it, it just it just further uh supports the idea that god is an amazing creator you know he's <laughs> infinitely wise and uh so that that's that's kind of how i look at the whole multiple uh multiple universe uh thing and if there is if there are if there is a, if there are higher dimensions, we should expect there to be parallel universes because, uh, like the, you brought up a perfect example, if you have a two-dimensional plane that really is just made up of uh, a, a seemingly infinite number of lines, mm -hmm. you know, laid 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 across each other. Uh, a line is uh, uh, just a series of points, you know, an, an infinite number of points that go on forever and ever. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, higher dimensional objects are made of lower dimensional objects. You know, That's a cube right. is made up of, of six planes. Uh, those planes are made up of, you know, however many lines it takes or, you know, probably infinite or, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, so it and that actually I just wrote a blog about this not too long ago that might help explain what dark matter and dark energy actually is hmm. uh, gra gravity is the only thing um, theoretically I mean all of this is theoretical and speculative all of it mm -hmm. but uh, theoretically uh, gravity is um, the only thing that can traverse dimensions naturally Um and that that kind of goes into string theory, but but ba basically, uh, gravitons, the 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 um, the supposed particle of gravity, would be able to traverse dimensions. So a higher dimensional object, if it's out there, would could affect gravity in our uh, in our three dimensions of space, even if we can't see the object. And that that could help explain why gravity is so much weaker than the other forces. Hmm. Um, you know that we have uh, electromagnetic force, the strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force, and gravity. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, for a long time, physicists have been trying to uh, find a, a theory that that puts all those together. But the uh, the problem is with gravity; they can't they can't seem to make it fit because gravity is so much weaker than all the other forces. Um, right. By by comparison, so that might be why it, it might be that that uh, a lot of the gravitons or a lot of the gravity is is being taken by. Uh, being used by these higher dimensional objects that and that might be what dark matter is and, and the cause of dark energy uh, if people want more on that my blog it, it you can get it on my website ministry.com I have I have a bunch of stuff about that kind of stuff so, but <laughs> but it's it's pretty interesting yeah <laughs> it's, it's all really interesting and and so I mean going back to the whole parallel universe thing you're you're basically saying that if if and that's a you know strong if it would be populated. Um, the population, even if it were to look like people in our timeline, in our realm, would not be the people in our timeline and in our realm. Uh, they, they'd have their own. They would have their own souls and, and spirits, you know, just like we have our own. I mean, and if you think about it, even on our own planet, you know, we technically we have parallel countries. You know, we have we have parallel regions of of different people, and they have their own. Uh, you know, they don't. We don't all look alike or anything, but they they have their own souls and everything. So if, if there are other uh, dimensions, if there is another Earth, hmm. uh, a parallel Earth that's that's populated. They would have their own soul and spirit, and they they would uh, they would have their own choice to make. And I, I I think a big part of it too is people people get uncomfortable because they wonder, well, did did Jesus die on the cross there too? Uh, it, it see that kind of goes in with the whole time thing. If it, well, it would be yes, but it wouldn't have been like a separate event. I mean, he could have. God's God, he could have done it here and there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, uh, these so. these questions go way out there. But you know, I, I'm glad that I have someone to talk about this with, and, and we, that we can do it, you know, on the air. Because, I, I mean, why not? You know, there are other people in their living rooms right now, stumbling upon this stuff and asking these questions. What we're talking yeah. about, I mean, and, and they're real questions. And you know, there's no demand that we have to have the official, the right answer. Uh, to talk about it, I, I mean, as long as we conclude that in this realm we need Jesus and he yeah. is the only way, the truth, and the life, I mean, you know, we'll be okay. Um, you know, Josh, as I was thinking my way through this, uh, qu same question, I stumbled upon something that w I found very interesting. And um, it, it it's in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 19, and I, I found this so fascinating because I said, wow, in light of the possibility of higher dimensions, it, this seems to take on a whole new light. And it's a passage where after God had been speaking all of the blessings that would come upon the nation of Israel, if they, if they followed his commands, they would be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed when they come and blessed when we go on and on and on. Then he gave a huge list of cursings after that. And the dialogue continues until you get to chapter 30 in Deuteronomy. And he says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And I said, how could God set before a nation life and death? And then tell them to choose. It's almost like he said, here's two possible futures. Or here's two possible realities. They are both equally existent, but you will walk in one of them. 
And I said, well, extrapolate it into a fourth dimensional understanding. What if God created possible futures? Being outside of time, God can remain sovereign over every course of decision that is taken so that ultimately it all ends where he figures it's going to end. He knows. And he had the ability to step in when necessary. But for the most part, I mean, what if they're right there, we're looking at the creation of possible futures that are brought in to our realm and our experience by the choices that we make? Yeah, and, and, and you know, it really lends a lot of support to that uh, we still have free will. We still have a choice. We're not forced into anything. We 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 can choose to follow God, or we can choose to to deny Him, and, and that that choice is ours. He doesn't uh, He doesn't force that that on us. And you know that that's why that's why I said that you know if if anything if there are, if there are multiple realities if anything it it just further supports what the Bible's been saying all along. You know, it, it further supports that we do have free will. I mean, that's the proof because in if if that was ever proven, you know, the multiple universe thing, because here's a universe where somebody did something different. So obviously nobody's forced into anything here. Hmm. <laughs> you know, we all we all we all have uh, we all have our choice. It's uh, it's it's certainly an interesting conversation, Josh. But okay, so moving off of the whole parallel dimension thing and uh, understanding what higher dimensions are. Um, you get into in your book how scientists have discovered this. And I want to give you a little bit of time to kind of lay some of these terms out for people so that they can understand, you know, because here's the thing, right? The study of quanta or quantum mechanics is in essence the study of the extremely small. And you already yeah. brought up the Planck constants, the point where you cannot get any smaller. But the question is, how did a study of the very small lead into the understanding of something extremely broad, higher dimensions and, and, and so forth? And so um, I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of address this a little bit from the history that you've gone through in your book uh, for our listeners. How, how did we go through the very small and end up at higher dimensions? Sure. And, and that, you know, it's all connected. And that that's what's so fascinating. And uh, actually, this gets into string theory, which is exceedingly exciting for hmm. me. I, I, I love I, I, I really love string theory now that I can understand it. And I, I was so afraid of it before because I thought, well, string theory, that's like only the smartest of the smart can get their heads around that. And actually, it's a it's a really simple concept. And once I, uh, you know, once I just read about it and, you know, could understand it, I, I realized like, you know, a lot of these people, I think that they're just trying to sound smarter than what th this stuff actually is because it, it doesn't take a genius to get it. Um, because I get it and I'm not a genius. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, basically, uh, so, so quantum physics is, is the study, like you said, of quantum, uh, 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 quanta is a term that's given to uh, like the absolute smallest of something. That's mm -hmm. um, just, just basically what it is. Uh, 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 Max Planck or, or Max Planck, he, he was really the, uh, the, the the father of the study of, of quantum physics. He he uh, that that's where all the the Planck boundaries and 
and things come into play. He was able to show that um, reality doesn't work the way that we would think it does. It, everything is uh, everything can be broken down into fundamental uh, fundamental blocks, you know, called called quanta or, or measurements. It's not uh, like like for example. Uh, when you turn your temperature up, uh, your, your thermostat from 65 to 70 degrees, you would think that the heat, you know, the heat, the temperature rises in a, a, a steady fashion, um, you know, just increasingly gets hotter. But actually, it's in it's in chunks. It's in blocks when you break it down small enough uh, that and, and that was one of the first things that he realized um, that brought him into all of this uh, is that heat doesn't rise in a constant flow it, it kind of, it jumps uh from one temperature to the next when you when you get down small enough mm -hmm. and then he realized everything's like that even time is like that and that that's trippy time isn't a it, it's not a uh you know we, we tend to think of time as like a, a flowing river you know we 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 break it down into seconds and minutes and hours, but you know, time in its in and of itself, we we think of just constantly flowing, but it's not. There's a thing called Planck time, um, which is the 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 small the shortest amount of time possible, and you can't have shorter than that. And what that means is that time is really more of a uh, more like a flip book or or like a like a a, a film projector, like the film you know, in a movie or something, it, it's a, it's like a series of photographs, uh, three-dimensional photographs, and it, it jumps from one photograph to the next. It's not uh, like a constant flow. And uh, so, so he was able to show all that. It's the same with like length and mass and, you know, everything is like that. So that that's basically what quantum physics is. And so how that ties into string theory, which, which is the absolute smallest of the small, uh, is uh, the theory of s string theory <laughs> mm -hmm. says that uh, every particle um, is actually created by a, a, a vibrating string uh, that that's even smaller, and and this this string um, is you know it's the width of the the Planck length, mm -hmm. which I think is like ten to the minus thirty five or ten to the minus thirty three centimeters. So it's it's incredibly small, um, and the, this when the string vibrates uh those vibrations create the particle around it so essentially a string is nothing or, or a particle is nothing more than the result of the vibrations of these strings and that's what all of reality is uh so um and actually i got a really interesting biblical point on that that i'll get to in, in a moment but okay. uh okay. how that leads to the extremely large uh is when we when we start looking at things like brains and it's not brain as in the brain in your head, it's B R A N E S and it's short for membranes. It's, it's, uh, it's the idea that, um, our universe, uh, is, is on this thing called a, a brain, um, which, uh, and that there are multiple brains out there in what, and in what they call the bulk that's where these things are essentially okay. and brains can be multi-dimensional they they can uh they, they can have as many dimensions as are possible um so as long as it's at least as many as the universe so like the brain that uh our universe rests on uh it, it has to be at least three dimensions for you know for it to for it to work or higher hmm. 
Now, how that fits in with string theory is that uh, there are two types of strings, open and closed. Um, uh, and one, one string is, is actually embedded in the brain, and that, that's most particles. Um, so say you have, you know, like a, a, a proton or something. Um, the, the string, the, the string that is creating that, the, 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 the quarks or whatever that, that make up that, that particle, uh, is actually embedded in this brain. Um, and it can't, it can't like, it, it can't leave or, you know, it's, it's always embedded in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's where gravity is different. Gravity is uh, the, the other type of string that's actually able to, to float freely through, through the bulk and can go to other brains and other parallel, you know, parallel, uh, yeah, parallel universes. So that, you, you really can't have string theory without brains that uh, and that that actually is uh, what modern M theory is. Mm. Um, it's the integration of brains into string theory. Uh, so that that's how you get from from the extremely small to the extremely large. Uh, every everything kind of goes on that. Now what I was saying about about string theory, th this is one of the one of the coolest things and, and I, I didn't even know that you can support string theory with uh the bible but you can um so you know like i, I said before i i was I, I noticed that there were scientific discoveries made mm -hmm. from the bible and i thought well what about string theory is that in there somewhere uh i looked at specifically i looked at hebrews eleven three, which says um through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of god so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear uh that's the king james so mm -hmm. first to understand you know what's being discussed that word worlds uh, was translated from the Greek aeon, and it means uh, like a an age or perpetuity of time. Right. Um, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean like planets. It's it's a period of time. So that 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 verse there is talking about God's creation, and it's reasonable that you know all all, all those words would uh, excuse me would fit. Now the the term word of God um, that that's used a lot of times throughout the Old and New Testament of the Bible in reference to different things and. Uh, you know, as I show in the book, there there are times that the Word of God is in direct reference to Jesus Himself, um, such as the first chapter of the Gospel of John, or even uh, in a sense the pre-incarnate Jesus of the Old Testament. There's a whole thing with that, but <laughs> that that that'll take us on a rabbit trail. But uh, but getting back to this yeah, whole sure, thing. we're going to stay on we're going to stay on track. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Uh, so. In Hebrews eleven three, there's actually there's a different Greek word that that's used for word, mm -hmm. uh, different than what's used in um, John. Uh, Hebrews eleven three, the the Greek word is uh, rhema, and it means that which is or has been uttered by the living voice, thing spoken or word, subject, matter of speech, thing mm -hmm. spoken of. So essentially, long-winded explanation to just say that word means word in, in Hebrews 11.3. Uh, in John, um, it, it, that comes from logos, which, as I said before, gets into this whole Jesus stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we looked at string theory, so we kind of got a basic understanding of what that is. But uh, like what I said, the vibrations of the string is what determines what type of particle it's going to be. Uh, so an example, an electron is less massive or has less mass than a quark. So according to string theory, the electron's string would vibrate less than the quark's string. So in other words, 
you know, as I said, the vibrations of the string is what produces the particle, and a particle is nothing more than the result of those vibrations. Now, as of today in the scientific community, it's not known exactly what causes the string to vibrate. There's a lot of speculation to that. The only thing that they can really agree on is that it has to be something that comes from a higher dimension. Um, and that, that actually brings us to the last half of Hebrews 11.3. In the King James, it says, uh, things which are things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Um, the, the ESV uh, puts it like this, um, which is a little easier to understand. By, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Um, so that's to say everything in physical existence, what, you know, what can be seen was made of something invisible, something outside of what we can perceive from our three spatial dimensional perspective. Mm -hmm. So if string theory is an accurate definition of reality that can help explain what's actually causing those strings to vibrate. Now, when we're considering this, we got to keep in mind that even time itself is a creation of God. And that, that's important because it shows that God himself is outside of time. Uh, and, of course, he can inject himself into time as he sees fit, but that doesn't mean that he's bound by it like you and I are. God is, by his very own nature, outside of time itself. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that's important goes back to the cause of the string's vibrations. Um, Hebrews 11.3 tells us everything was created by the spoken word of God, so in essence, God spoke everything to existence, into existence. But from our perspective, being bound by time, that initial creative act would have occurred in the past. That's how we would see it. Uh, and that's why that past tense language is used in that verse. But God is outside of time, meaning there's no real past, present, or future from his perspective. Everything everything just is. Um, everything's known and seen just as clearly as everything else, regardless where it falls in, in the timeline of physical existence. Um, so the really amazing thing about that, uh, if we put all this together, is that we exist within the spoken word of God, since God's outside of time. From our perspective, that, that initial creative word from God is still forever emanating from him. It, it's, it's his eternal voice that's causing those strings to vibrate, uh, thereby resulting in the production of all the physical particles that make up matter and energy. So we're not only created by God, our existence is maintained by God through his voice. So as you're listening to this, you could look at your hand. You know, the only reason your hand is there is because right now, currently, the voice of God is making that possible from outside of time. You're, That's you, incredible. You, yeah, you are a direct result of the, the, the timeless, ongoing, and never-ending spoken word of God himself. I, and I think that is just so fascinating. And it, it, it's it's like physicists and scientists that, that look at this outside of a biblical view it's like oh you're you're so close you're right there <laughs> just just accept that there's a god and you'll you'll have it i mean what what is there that's more amazing than that <laughs> that that that's that that really is an incredible observation josh and josh on this subject uh when we're looking at passages in scripture that speak to things that deal with higher realms and operation beyond the three-dimensional plane. There's another verse that you bring up later on in the book, and I, I'm just going to jump to that right now because this, I was so happy to see that you stuck this in there. I was so happy because uh, this particular verse for me is something that has spoken volumes. I, I mean, volumes upon volumes upon volumes. It's like, you know, God never really stops speaking to me out of this verse. It's so powerful. 
And it's in Ephesians 2, 6, where the Bible basically states that we have, in a past tense framework, been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. And that is so important, I think, to our understanding of theology and what God has done because it revolutionizes everything. And and really, you can't understand it without understanding higher dimensions and realms to really get the entire impact of this passage. Um, to me, what this says is that we're not living, Josh, to get to heaven. We get citizenship in heaven when we are saved. And yeah. that is violently different than the theology that many Christians have carried for a long time. And it, it it changes the way you see yourself, the way you see God, the way you see yourself positioned in God's plan, and what you see available to you. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to carry this away because it's, it's this verse. I mean, I, I, I could preach on it for weeks, I feel like. But I, I want to get your perspective. I mean, you got there, you got to the end of the book, and you throw this in there. I, I mean, what what are you trying to get across when, when you look at Ephesians 2.6 in perspective of higher dimensions? Well, I'll tell you, this is actually kind of – it's kind of interesting because I, I end the book with this. But this was actually the first thing that God uh, th- that that was you know that God revealed to me that really got me interested in the whole writing a book on quantum physics mm. in the Bible, and um, you know I'll, I'll give you an exclusive here because you know you're my friend I like you a lot and I I I, <laughs> I like your audience. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I I actually I've I've done a a lot of radio shows on on my book and I I have never talked about the last chapter on the air before yet mm-hmm. so you you will be the first to to get this not that it's me it's 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 God's word but um you know cuz I I think I think the book's been out long enough now and and it's just it's it's a fun thing to talk about and and it's important because it really gives a lot of hope uh I think um I mean this is something that uh uh well how well well, I'll just say this is something that um, when I had uh, uh, Mark Flynn on my show, he and I uh, off off air talked a lot uh, about this. And, um, you know, it, it is something that it can really give a lot of hope to people. Uh, just the comfort of the Holy Spirit is so amazing. I mean, even when we have lost loved ones and uh, people have passed on, they're not they're And, you know, it's kind of cliche to say they're not really gone. And that's true, but it's it's even more accurate to say that they're not, we're not apart from them. And and here, th- th- this is why. So, it, it's it's really kind of an overlooked passage. I mean, I've read, you know, Ephesians is a pretty popular New Testament book. You know, I, I've read it through so many times, and it, it's it's a verse that it's right in the beginning, and it's easy to kind of gloss over because it just seems like it's part of uh, uh, Paul's introduction here. Um, it doesn't really, you know, on the surface, it's it's just easy to gloss over. the the uh, The passage is Ephesians two five through six, and it says, "Even when we were dead in our, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together. Oh, excuse me, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." 
Um, now, I, I throughout the book, I, I may, and really all my stuff, I, I mainly quote from the, the King James Version. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not King James only or anything like that. I think there's a lot of great translations out. It's just for the benefit of the majority and, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I think the new King James, ha- you know, even uh, kind of, uh, it's a little easier to, to grasp. Uh, the new King sure. James says... Um, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, now, the reason that I that I propose the new King James over the King James is it, it, makes, it makes the study a little bit simpler to grasp without changing the meaning of the passage. So a lot of times when that passage is interpreted, it's taught that Jesus sees us as if we are already seated with him, but that's not really what the text says. The text teaches this principle in past tense, uh, portraying the fact that this has already happened. When it says, when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up and made us sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So that's all past tense. Mm-hmm. If we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, that's already done. So what exactly does that mean uh, for us as Christians? It's it's usually looked at as like a nice metaphor or a clever way to explain a, a, a principle. But uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of times there can a lot of times with verses like this, there, there's something deeper going on. So, uh, and this is definitely an example of something like that. Uh, this passage uh, could very well be more literal than what we might originally think, you know, go figure. Um, so go when we look figure. at it, hmm. yeah, when we look at it closely, we, we, we realize uh, that there's very direct and literal language that's used. We don't see like or as or, or any metaphoric or, or simile or you know any of that language anywhere in the passage. It's really direct, and it says that a literal event occurred when you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We were literally seated in heaven with Jesus. Uh, the Greek word used for the idea of us being raised together comes from, uh, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm probably going to butcher these words, but uh, synegerio, synegerio, I don't know. Yeah, that, it, that, it, that was it. <laughs> that must have been the way they pronounced it. Yeah, you I, know. I think that's how, yeah, they spoke perfect Greek until they got to that word, and then they all just got confused. But... <laughs> <laughs> But it uh, it basically means uh, to raise together or to cause to raise together, um, to raise up together from mortal death to mm-hmm. a new and blessed life dedicated to God. So from this, we can realize that there uh, that we were, in a sense, born into death. But since we accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, we've been raised and seated in heaven. Um, also notice that, that, that uh, this happened to all of us together. Hmm. And, and that that it happened within the same instant to every Christian everywhere, regardless where they are in the timeline. So what we're dealing with here is the the same event in at least two separate dimensions, probably more, um, and, and even maybe outside of the whole dimensional construct. Uh, you know, we we talked about extra dimensions and things. It, it seems that whichever dimension describes heaven is the context of this passage. The physical and spiritual dimensions are what Ephesians two five through six is dealing with. So, in the three uh, three physical dimensions that we can experience uh, here on Earth, we accept Jesus as our Savior and we begin our new Christian life. 
in the spiritual dimension in heaven, it's something far more profound than what we realize. This goes back to the idea that time may operate differently in heaven. Um, every three-dimensional physical thing is stuck within the confines of time, and because of that, time is our reality. The the spiritual dimensions, however, it might it might be different. Time time could be more fluid, but God, in essence, as we discussed before, is outside of time. He can manipulate time as he sees fit. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. so the 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 way that that idea can be applied to Ephesians uh, two five through six, uh, the passage seems to be saying that we as Christians are already in heaven. Right now, as you and I are sitting here talking, um, you know, we're, we're, and for those listening who are already secure in Jesus, we are all already seated with Jesus in heaven. Now, of course, that's something that's occurring in a spiritual dimension. It's something outside of the physical timelines. We can't really apply that to our uh, our physical lives and think that we can do whatever we want because it's already done in heaven and we're good. That's not what the passage is is suggesting. Uh, if anything, it, it's actually the opposite. We we start off life as dead in our sins, beginning uh, at least after the age of accountability. You know, whatever, however people want to look at that. But if we had continued down that path and never accepted Jesus, we would be dead already. Uh, even though we would still be physically alive. So that that's what the beginning of the passage in, in Ephesians is signifying. Accepting the gift of salvation takes us out of the spiritual state of death and raises us to life with Jesus Christ outside of knowable time and space. So hmm. even if we could, we shouldn't want to return to that same sinful life that was keeping us in, in perpetual death. But uh, because it's a, it's a uh, because this this is probably a question that might come up. I'll state that you know I I don't believe this is suggesting we existed in heaven before we were born. Um, in my in my opinion, and that's all it is 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 an opinion. I think that there's a lot of problems with that theory, and I actually did used to believe that. I, I used to believe that we probably existed in heaven before we were born. Um, but first, for there to be a before, there would have to be physical time that doesn't really seem to work with God in the spiritual dimension. Uh, when, it, when it comes to God, at least, there is really no before, there's no after, there just is. Um, now, of course, as I said, God can manipulate time, but uh, for us as physical humans, we don't have access to anything beyond physical time while in physical existence. When we um, when we shed our physicality and we're, when we're on the other side, then we can experience that sort of timelessness or, or whatever it's going to be. But uh, as long as we're physically here, we, we really can't. But also, we were born into a sinful world and into, into sinful bodies. Our physical and spiritual existence began at the same time. Uh, we weren't born into eternity, but when we accepted Jesus, we were lifted into eternity outside of knowable time and space to be seated with uh, Jesus where we are now. And, and to show that biblically, you could look at uh, the fact that when God created Adam, he breathed into him the breath of life. And it says that Adam then became a living soul. Hmm. Oh, excuse me. So uh, that means that he wasn't a living soul beforehand. Adam did not exist in heaven before he was created on earth. His physical being and spiritual being were created at the same time, both here on earth. And I, I believe such is the same for each one of us. Um, so that while it's kind of difficult to, to consider, the, the Bible makes it clear that when we were saved— we were lifted into heaven, and this indicates that we are already there. In a sense, it, it seems to convey the idea that we're 
kind of we're, we're in two places at once though we wouldn't normally realize it without revelation from god through, you know through the bible but um you know i believe that explains how we can be uh you know sealed eternally you know the holy spirit that kind of thing but biblically speaking uh eternity doesn't really seem to describe like an expanse of time as you know we we commonly think of it just like a never-ending expanse of time um th that's infinity but that doesn't really seem to be what eternity is eternity is more like a, a state of existence almost like a spiritual location uh possibly outside of time as we as we know it you know we're sealed because we are already there uh that could also explain why nothing can take us out of god's hands because with god it's already done so Hmm. What's uh you know what's also interesting? <laughs> uh -huh. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you got me on a topic. You know I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, so I hope you don't mind the rambling. <laughs> it's okay. But, continue. Uh, continue your thoughts. All right. So, you know what's also interesting is it, it says that we were raised together. So that also adds to the theory of us already being there because God is outside of knowable time. When I was saved and when you were saved, uh, we were raised together. Uh, we were also raised together with the Apostle Paul when he accepted the when he accepted Jesus as a savior in in physical three dimensional reality. You know, we can point to a specific time when we were saved. But on the other side, it's all the same. We all share in it together. Three dimensional space and time have no bearing concerning heaven and uh, the, the higher dimensional construct. Um, Time, do, time does seem to exist, at least to a certain degree, but God himself is outside of it, uh, outside of his own construct. So there's there's a lot that can be considered with that and a lot of questions uh, that come up. And I, I pose some of these questions in the book. Uh, you know, for example, when, when John was caught up to heaven and given his vision of revelation, he saw people that would be slain for their testimony in Jesus. Uh, when those people are slain in our future, will they personally witness John having his vision roughly 2,000 2, years prior? Uh, also, there's a theory that states the 24 elders in Revelation were the 12 apostles and 12 sons of Jacob. I don't know how much there really is to that, but it, if that's true, just as a thought exercise, um, when John saw the elders, did he see himself? <laughs> uh, you know, are there more examples of experiences through time and dimensional space that, you know, can be examined in, in the Bible? Uh, the answer is, I, I really don't know. You know, a lot of that's theoretical and even speculative, but at the very least, it's an interesting thought concerning um, a biblical truth. You know, we can see how God included examples of his qualities in his creation, such as timelessness, and we're a part of that. Uh, that, that, that whole time thing, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the time thing is very <laughs> interesting and it ju just amazes me that from God's perspective, he raised us together at the same instant as all the people that were saved that came before us and after us. Well, uh, it, 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 I mean, from our perspective, it's different times, but he's outside of the timeline. He can see it all at once. It all happened at the same time. Uh, well, time's at the same point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and Josh, I mean, this, yeah. and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, uh, this really gets into kingdom because and, – and this is where I've been for a while now. Um, one of the ways you can describe the kingdom and, and operating in God's kingdom is the eternal now. It is yeah. the state in which Jesus has finished the work. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you knew this, but one of the theologically accepted definitions for grace, charis, in the Greek, is the finished work. It's awesome. finished. So when Jesus died for our sins, that work of redemption from sin was finished. 
2,000 years ago. And every provision that we have as Christians to live a godly, righteous life, to have freedom from the bondage of sin and darkness, curses and everything else, is finished and provided past tense. We actually enter into a state in which we have access to all those resources. And it's all about alignment. And that alignment is what faith is. And that's what people, and, I, and I'm and i always communicating, or trying to, <laughs> whenever I'm explaining things to people, I say heaven and earth are out of alignment. And that alignment comes by faith. That's why faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It is an alignment an agreement in our subconscious with the things which God has prepared beforehand, works prepared that we shall walk in them. This is kingdom. This is when earth interfaces with the eternal. And it is a different way to live, Josh. It is a different kind of experience. It opens believers up to a whole realm of possibility that they didn't understand. You know, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 is really exciting for me, pivoting off of some of the things that you said. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that's set before us. And I tell people, listen, that cloud of witnesses is only there because you're where they are. You've been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is the reason why that cloud of witnesses surrounds you. It's not because you see dead people walking around in your room. That's demonic nonsense. No, you have had a work performed on your spirit, man, that goes beyond time, that goes beyond space, and is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. When you encounter a revelation of that, you cannot live life the same way anymore. And when you read passages, Josh, like Hebrews 4.16, which says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace to uh, find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I mean, you don't think, okay, well, I'm just going to pray down here and God's going to hear me up there. You realize that up there, you are where God is before his throne, petitioning him where he is as a beloved son that's been accepted because of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed to give us the gift of righteousness so we could be in the near presence of God. That's a very different way to approach the salvation, the Christianity that we know and walk in. It's a whole other level. People have thought, man, God is way up there. You, you know, I'm just a lowly sinner down here. I have no hope. I, I just have to get to the end of this thing and die. And then I can be where God is. Well, hold on a minute. Let's back up. What did the Bible actually say? Colossians 1.13 is one of my favorite. You've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Man, this whole dimensional thing becomes a big stepping board in my mind into understanding what God actually prepared for believers in this world. He wants us to interface with his realm. And that's possible because dimensions and realms overlap. That's the whole thing with the higher planes. Because they're higher, they contain and overlap upon the lower realms. So when God said, The kingdom of God is within your hearts and surrounding you, amplified version out of the book of Luke. What he was saying is, my realm is in your hearts and around you. I've overlapped heaven on you, believer, in Jesus Christ. Different way to live. 
I'm telling yeah, you, Josh. A- a- absolutely. And, you know, if people can get a hold of that, you'll never look at life the, the same. And and it's all biblical. It's all right there. This is this is what this is what has been taught for, you know, over 2000 years now. You know, we kind of the, the church as, as a whole has kind of lost grasp on a lot of this stuff. But when we just take the Bible at face value for, for what it actually says and, and take it, you know, when it's meant to be taken literally like that, like that Ephesians thing, um, <clears throat> there's no like or as in that. It's literal. That that actually is happening. That's the reality. We we are multidimensional beings. We we just have a three dimensional perspective because we're in physical life, but we're there too. We're in heaven as well. We're 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 seated in the heavenlies as well. And it, it's just, you know. And, and it really helps to, I mean, like I said before, even people that have lost loved ones and everything, you can't ever be separated from them. You're, you're with them. <laughs> it, it just, it blows my mind. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, Josh, this has been a, a great time. I want to thank you for sharing all of your opinions and perspectives and research into this study that a lot of Christians are, you know, <laughs> running the other way from and uh you know i'm just really excited about that and uh man you know folks you can find josh peck at www.ministudyministry.com his book uh quantum creation does the supernatural lurk in the fourth dimension um josh if there's anything coming up in your life that you'd like to let people uh, in on, you can go ahead and tell the audience that right now, and then we'll be uh, closing out. Sure. Um, well, I always have uh, episodes of my show, The Sharpening. Uh, uh, we, we've taken more of a video format now. We, we started putting uh, video interviews uh, on, on YouTube, and those were uh, very, very well received. So we're doing more of those. Um, so those are always always coming up. I got I got to really fantastic line of guests uh that i'm that i'm working on getting through and for listeners of of your show dan duvall will be a guest at some point in the future <laughs> so you have to you have to look forward to that uh so that, that and then my my new book um should be out i'm, I'm shooting for february that's what i'm really I, i'm really hoping for but there are a lot of moving parts hmm. uh as, as it stands now um i'm still waiting on uh getting a couple interviews back from a couple other authors and researchers uh that are much more well known than myself so that's always a plus mm-hmm. and uh um so, but I, I pretty much have the whole thing written. I, I'm actually probably going to finish up the rough draft after we conclude this show. So, uh, it, it should be out in February. That's, that's my hope. And that, that's going to be called uh, cherubim chariots. Um, and, uh, I, I kind of have a working subtitle right now, but I don't know for sure if that's going to stay the way it is. So I'll just say that the title is cherubim chariots. All right. Uh, yep. So that's, that is what's coming up in my future. All right. Well, hey, folks, uh, Josh Peck, www.ministudyministry.com. You have just heard Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies. 
This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com. At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.